be reading Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through chapter 5, verse 11. This is, we come across these ever so often. It's a good example of why chapter breaks and breaking down in verses sometimes can take our minds away from what's going on um, in the passage. You know, we, we, compart- we compartmentalize things. That's, that's why when you see phone numbers written the way they are, there's the parentheses and then the dash. Our, our brains comp- compartmentalize two and three in- ideas at the same time. Um, so be careful that your brain doesn't com- compartmentalize chapter four and chapter five separately. There's, there's overlap here. That's right. So we'll be looking at before... Uh, we, we read it, just kind of going to give you, I don't know if it helps or not when I do this, to give you kind of a, a minute uh, summary of what we're about to read. Um, the church, James and Peter, or excuse me, John and Peter had just stood before um, the, those men out of the temple, the, the priests and the Sadducees. They gave an answer according to the gospel. Evidently, they had some fear because they prayed for boldness. And the, the, the church there, the local church, had... had um, had come together in the spirit of God, desiring more boldness and courage to go out and do what the Lord had told them to do. And with that, in verse 32, in the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul, they were of one mind, purpose, they, they 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 were committed one with another unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, as we read through here, you're going to see that as they had done early after the conversion of those thousands early on, they had continued the practice of selling things and making things common so that so that um, that everyone was taken care of. OK, it wasn't by command, but it was on a voluntary system. And we're going to get on. We're going to get into that. It wasn't by command. So that being the case, there was a, a man and his wife, Ananias and Sapphira, and they, they had sold something. And only gave part of of that selling uh, unto the assembly, but had lied about it. Yeah. Okay, so that that's the that's the issue at hand is the dishonesty. Yeah. Okay, um, <clears throat> Peter's going to tell him, "Hey, look, it was yours. You could have done whatever you wanted to with it, but the fact that you're lying about it, that's the problem." Yeah. Okay. And at the end of this whole thing, it says fear fell upon them. Why? Because these people were struck dead as they stood. Okay. So the title of this lesson, Ananias and Sapphira. We're gonna we're gonna read it and then come back and and glean from this passage. Okay. So again, Acts chapter four, verse number thirty-two. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. And when it says the multitude of them that believed, you got to go back. You know, you've got the 120 in chapter one, then the 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 uh, the 3,000 and 5,000, then the one man. So about 8,121 people. Okay. And in one place it says 5,000, but it said men, 5,000 men. Yeah. So at least that's a lot of people. Okay. So we're not talking about just a few or a, a small section size of them. It says that the multitude of them that believed. I believe it's those that. They gladly received the word and were baptized, those that continued in the apostles' doctrine. I believe it was the, the, the whole bunch of them. They might have had some that were missing for one reason or another. You know, there's, there's sickness or whatever. But I believe as a, as a local body, they were moving. There, was, there, there wasn't a disunity, and they did not begin operating in a universal fashion whatsoever. Some people believe that. I don't. I believe this, the local church is in operation here. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things or had lack of the things which he uh, possessed or had that had of the things that which he possessed was his own. So they were looking out for one another, but they had all things common. Okay, And with great power gave the apostles witness or, or great ability gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. The focus of the of of all that was going on was the gospel. And sometimes that has gotten lost over history. People get so wound up about church and goings on in the church, but they lose the the focus of the, the grace being upon the locals assembly for the sole purpose of, of being the witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 1 and verse verse 8. 
He says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And he's talking to saved people. He's not saying you will be saved and then you'll do something. Yes, he's sir. talking to saved people. And this is an empowerment of, a, of the church that was already in existence. He's telling the church that's already in existence. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. He's not saying you'll be, you know, pass out bottles of water and you'll be, you'll give bake sales and, and you'll do whatever. But witnesses of the gospel. And that's what it's talking of in, in verse 33. That they were speaking of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Going back to the, 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 the goings on in the assembly, verse 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. So it says that none lacked. It doesn't say that they made they didn't make the 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 um, the poor wealthy, right? And they weren't uh, necessarily encouraging an atmosphere of laziness, although long term it does, and that's why Paul was receiving offerings and bringing them back to Jerusalem. That people. Uh, oftentimes lay their hands to rest when other people are providing for them. But they were looking out for one another and laid them down at the apostles' feet. Not as though they were worshiping the apostles, but the apostles at this point in church history were, in, were, the, were the guys in charge. They were the ones that the Lord had specifically trained for the leadership position and that they were, they were the, it was the leadership. And it seems that Peter, from his message in chapter 1, uh, was the pastor or the under-shepherd of, of, uh, of the assembly then. Lay him down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Now, if you're talking 8,121 minimum members there, you could see how that uh, distribution of goods could have been a full-time job for the apostles. And you can see now how in just several weeks we're going to learn about the need for deacons and the need for, for uh, further leadership uh, within the assembly. Okay, So we're going to get to that um, in time to come. So they were distributing. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas. Okay, you see that. They called him Barnabas. He wasn't called Barnabas by birth. And we're going to bring this up in just a little bit. He wasn't called Barnabas by birth. The apostles called him that. Okay. Uh, which is being interpreted the son of consolation or son of comfort. Why do you think the apostles called him that? Don't you think that the consolation and comfort of Jesus Christ was very evident in the life of Barnab uh, of Joseph? That's why they called him that. It, it appears to be the case. So you're going to see a contrast here in just a few minutes. The son of uh, let's see, the, a Levite and of the uh, country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession. And kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy or knowledgeable to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. It's important to know we don't know how much he sold. We don't know how much it was worth. We also don't know the percentage. You know, sometimes you think, well, maybe a 50-50 split. What if it was nine? What if 99% he laid at the apostles' feet? This passage is still true. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? We're going to get to the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit being God himself. And he is. He's deity. But people think others are just dumb, don't they? I mean, Pete, how did Peter know? Well, the Holy Spirit must have given him an idea or an unction. Not, maybe he told him audibly, maybe he didn't, it doesn't say. But Peter had knowledge that Ananias had specifically, and Sapphira, his wife, had kept back part of a land. That's pretty intimate knowledge for, for somebody who was not part of that council of doing that, right? But also, and I don't believe the Holy Spirit talks to me audibly, and I don't believe he talks to you audibly, but I also believe that we can be led of the Spirit of God, and we, we do have understanding of someone as being truthful to us or not at times. So be careful that we don't lie to one another, but be careful that you know that you cannot lie to God and be successful about it. While it remained, while that land remained, and while it, everything 
Was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Hey, look, this was, this was your stuff. This was your land. You sold it. We didn't make you sell it. You sold it. And after you sold it, the price was in your hand. It wasn't ours. It was yours. You could do whatever you wanted with it. Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And fear came on all them that heard these things. Fear should come upon us today. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me what you sold the land for so much. Whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. See, the, the writer is careful not to, not to answer the percentage or the amount. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. On a side note, you see the providence of God. It took, it took her three hours to finish whatever she was doing to come in before Peter. It took them three hours to carry him out, bury him, and come. They were coming right back, and I believe they still had the, the, the mud and the dirt on their shoes and all, all that. Might have even still been sweaty from digging the hole. The providence of all these things. Behold, they that buried your husband, they're right here. Then she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by, by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Again, Ananias and Sapphira. First, I'd like for us to understand that dishonesty is a satanic quality. It's a satanic quality. It's certainly not a godly quality. It's a satanic quality. Verse 3. Peter saying, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Dishonesty, dishonesty is a satanic quality. Okay? Buying, selling, owning, and giving was, again, it was voluntary. It was voluntary. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're commanded to bring tithes and offerings into the Lord's house. We are. And I would encourage you by the word of God to bring your tithes and offerings unto the house of the Lord. But I'm not going to go seize you. There, there are some uh, groups that have year by year their membership fill out a commitment card of how much they're going to give year by year. Did you all know that? It's between you and God, but you better be right in your giving. You better be, you better be, you better be right. Buying, selling, owning, and giving was then and is now a voluntary thing, but it's voluntary unto command, right? So they weren't, this isn't an issue of tithing though, so I don't want to misrepresent this passage. This passage has to do with the, the openness of giving and selling, and, and specifically they're lying about how much their property was for, their total dishonesty about it. They were dishonest in their interaction. Again, verses 2 through 4, it, they, in verse 2, he kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But in verse number 8, Peter answered, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. They had lied. They were dishonest about the price that was sold. Okay? They didn't give... They didn't give amounts, but for an example, I will give an amount. Say I, I, I sold one of these vehicles, and I sold it for $5,000. And I told this church, I'm going to be giving, I'm going to be given the total amount of that car for, for how much I sold it. And, and, it, and the total amount on that car is going to be $4,280, whatever. Well, that's not true. I sold it for five. Well, I mean, I got to pay for taxes and this and this and this and this. Well, say that. Yeah. 
don't misrepresent, right? They were misrepresenting. They didn't have to give any of it. That's right. But they misrepresented. They were lying. Oh, it's such a small thing. They died because of it. They were dishonest in their interaction. It appears if they had been honest about this, at their interaction, it appears to me, I could be wrong, it appears to me, if they would have been honest about their interaction, about this fractionated amount, yes, we sold it for such and such, but I've got this bill and this bill and this bill, and I want to lay aside some for savings and, and some for children's education or whatever. So this remainder we're going to give unto the assembly, and they were honest about it. It appears to me, because that would have been an honest move, and it appears to me that there would have been no infraction here. That's right. They were dishonest. That was the problem. Some may comment. Well, at least they gave some. Again, it's a matter of heart. It's a matter of honesty. We're going to get to this. Their dishonesty, and you know what it was? It was pretentious hypocrisy is what it was. Pretentious hypocrisy. Those were their sins. So these people, Ananias and Sapphira, I don't know who they were, what their station was. They could have been very wealthy. They could have been not very wealthy. But when they sold this this piece of property, if you read back up where we were in, in Acts chapter four, they were buying and they were selling their lands and properties with the intention of providing for others. So then whatever property someone sold must have been at least somewhat valuable. Right. So if if the people across the street said they were going to sell their house and give the proceeds to this assembly, we might have an expectation of how much money we were going to receive, right? At least a, a guess. So when these people didn't bring in part of the price, or maybe they wanted to be known as these big whop-to-do givers or whatever, but they held some back. You know, when, some, when there's an amount like this, it's tempting for us to feed ourselves first. That, in, in a, in a, um, in a uh, savings, in, a, in an economic way, that's one of the, one of the rules. They say pay yourself first. Put, put money in your savings account first. Well, if they're dishonesty, they might have been showing themselves as, as great and wonderful givers. But in their hearts and in their dishonesty, there, there was there was part that was held back. And we're, we're going to get to some application to this. People commit this kind of sin all the time. And they do that with their tithes. Sure, we're talking about money and giving and substance, so we'll address tithes. People do that with their tithes all the time. Oh, yes, you know, I, I, 10% would be this much, but you know what? I've got to change my tires this time. So the Lord knows I'm going to do the best I can. Or you know what? If if I if uh, I make such and such, and, and if I did ten percent, that would involve change or whatever, and I don't like dealing with change, so I'm just going to round down. Withholding and being dishonest about about our giving toward the Lord, and he honestly he doesn't need our money. I mean he he spoke all creation into existence. He doesn't need our he doesn't need our substance. But with our substance, it's a reflection of our hearts toward God. Uh, what are, are we cheerful givers? Are we uh, the things that we have? Are we honest and open about the things that we give? People commit this again all the time. Well, I'll, you know, I, I sold it for this much, and that, the example that I gave earlier, but but taxes and this and this and this and this and this. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tithe on this amount because that's the amount that doesn't hurt me. I'm gonna I'm not gonna tithe on this amount, which is the true amount. Whatever the case. Moving off of money and substance, sometimes people commit this sin with their time. Oh, I will commit. I will commit to reading the Bible at least at least once a day. Well, not today, right? Be careful. Be careful that we're not dishonest in our giving unto the Lord with our time. Also, with their efforts, their efforts. People give. They say they give their best efforts to the Lord, but they hold back some. 
right? Well, I, I need this energy over here. I need, I need this over there. And I, I was a kid once being dishonest why I couldn't stay awake during services because I was busy giving my time, keeping my time late at night on Saturday and I didn't give my best effort, my true effort, my, my honest effort in focus and attention on Sunday morning. That, that, that could be a, a, a type of this type of sin, dishonesty. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Why I can't do this, why I can't do that. Holding back, being dishonest. We can be dishonest with one another and sometimes get away with it. You're not going to be dishonest before God and get away with it. Also, people commit this kind of sin, dishonesty before God, with kind of a hokey-pokey religion. You know, one foot in, one foot out. Oh, yes, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to follow him with 98% of my life. But this, my, my, my right foot, I'm going to keep over here because I really want this. And shh, don't tell anybody. Hokey-pokey religion. This gets pretty serious. Because this is all happening again. This isn't, you know, stuff happening way out there in pagan Rome. This is stuff happening inside the local assembly, Acts chapter four and chapter five. This is these are items that we may be in in violation of, and if you're convicted of these things, repent, turn unto the Lord. You see dishonesty, and you know what? Dishonesty, they had their reasons. And you know what else isn't listed in this passage? The reasons why they did it. Doesn't matter. There's no good reason to be dishonest before God. No good reason. You see in this passage as well that the Holy Spirit, He is God. Verses 3 and 4. And Peter, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price that is in thine hand? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own, in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart, that thou hast lied, not lied unto men, but unto God? He lied. And it says right there that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, is God. You've lied unto God. Now, for fear of being swept away in Pentecostalism, sometimes um, the Lord's assemblies shy away from speaking on the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, He is God, and He does move among His people. That's right. And lying against the Holy Spirit, grieving the Holy Spirit, as Paul uh, phrased it, the living disorderly against the Holy Spirit, it is sinning against God. Why does he say lying against the Holy Spirit? Think about that for a second. Why isn't why isn't he lying against God the Father or, or Jesus Christ? Why is it against God the Spirit? Because the Spirit moves among his people in fruit, doesn't he? The fruit of the Spirit. So, in practicality, they had a a position or a, a look as though they were moving according to the fruit of the spirit, but they were dishonest and lying against that, right? The practicality of it, the, the moving of, of the spirit of God among his people, they were lying against him specifically. I mentioned the fruit of the spirit. Turn to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter 5. If we move in a dishonest way, uh, a, a pretentious, hypocritical, dishonest way, but have emotions, the fruit of a spirit, chapter 5, verse 22, in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against us there is no law. If we mingle these things or if we are if we are 
dishonest in these things, then we are sinning against the Spirit of God. We are lying and sinning against the Spirit of God. Sometimes we forget that we can sin against the Holy Spirit. Well, if he's God and you can sin against God, you can sin against the Holy Spirit, right? Our, our natural sin is a sin against God the Father who, who declared it, and it was. We can also sin against Jesus Christ in that we deny him as Peter did. But sinning against the Spirit of God would be denying the power of God as we've read in Jude verse 4 many times. There's ungodly men uh, claiming that the, the grace of God is lasciviousness. Sinning, sinning against the Spirit of God himself. Sin. Lying. He's also omniscient. Did you catch that? And it was sold. Was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? How did... So the, whole, the Holy Spirit knows the hearts of all, being God. But also know, specifically knows the hearts of his people. Some people claim that Ananias and Sapphira were unsaved. It doesn't say either way in this passage. I believe they were saved people. Yeah. I believe they were saved people. I really do. But they thought they could lie to the Spirit of God, and clearly they could not. And clearly, you cannot. You can lie to yourself. A lot of people lie to themselves. And you can lie to your own private little cohort. You can, you can have a few over here, a few over there, and you can pss, 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 and work out a scheme. But you cannot and you will not lie to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who is God himself. You cannot and will not do that. Not with any success. The Spirit has power over life and death. Did you catch that? In verse 5, Ananias died. In verse 10, Sapphira, she fell down dead. How serious of a thing is it then to lie against the Holy Spirit, to, to be dishonest as a church member with the Spirit of God? It seems like it's a very serious thing. You know how we know it's very serious? Verse 11. Great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Don't We don't know Ananias and Sapphira. Were they part of that 120? Think about that. Wouldn't that be a terrifying thing? All these people that walked with the Lord. Were they part of the 3,000, part of the 5,000? We don't, we don't know. We don't know. But to know that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, He is God, and even in such a thing, they, they, they might have given in their day their millions Again, what's millions to the Almighty? But honesty, honest worship and honest movement before God, that's what's at hand. You see also here the importance of the Lord's church. The Lord Jesus Christ gave authority to his assembly to broadcast in his name. He gave authority to his assembly to broadcast his name. That's exactly what they're doing. Chapter 4, verse 33, great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord and great grace was upon them all. They were continuing in that, okay? The promise that the comforter would come and would continue with his assembly came from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, please look at this. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. For I have given you, let's see, chapter 14, 15 through 17. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. First of all, we can't love him unless he first loved us. So they were saved already. So when he promises them a comforter, another comforter, he's not promising them salvation. He's promising them empowerment. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Peter, James, John, all the apostles, are they alive right now? How's the comforter going to abide with? What's, what's he talking about? 
talking about the, the comforter, the spirit of God abiding with his assembly forever. Even the spirit of truth. So these assemblies that pop up a hundred years ago and, and claim they have the truth and claim they speak from the word of God, was did the comforter leave for 1900 years or you know 2000 years or whatever? No. Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, because they're already saved, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So the local assembly, the Lord Jesus Christ gave his assembly authority and gave his assembly the, the parakletos, the, the, the comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. Every believer is born of the Spirit. So let's be careful. John chapter 3, verses 4 through 8. You can read that on your own time. Every believer is born of the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit moves particularly in the Lord's assembly. Oh, you mean that little bitty group up there north, north of town? Grass ain't even worn out. The, Lord, the Lord's Spirit, by the promise of Jesus Christ, moves and shall continue to move through his assembly forever. You work that out in your mind. I believe his assembly has continued today. I believe it's evidenced how important and how real that is in this passage. Oh, the Lord, the Spirit's not there. We've had visitors come in here. Oh, the Spirit's not in there. Why? Because we're not cutting cartwheels and speaking in gibberish? I believe the Spirit of God is here just as much as it was there in Acts chapter 4 and chapter 5. You see, these people, they were not freelance, right? But they, they were bringing their sum. They, they didn't sell their stuff and then just go do whatever they wanted with it. They, they weren't operating in a universal, scattered way. They were bringing every man their stuff where? Verse 37, at the apostles' feet. Chapter 5, verse 2, laid it at the apostles' feet. Again, not worshiping them. But they were the overseers of the Lord's assembly, right? The apostles, uh, the church leadership there. They were accountable one another to one another, but they were accountable one to another in the realm of the Lord's assembly. And were ultimately accountable to God, right? Because it wasn't Peter that struck Ananias and Sapphira dead. It was God Almighty that struck Ananias and Sapphira dead. I believe that this shows a sweet and terrible responsibility of church membership. You, you might not have walked in here thinking you're going to hear the sweet and terrible responsibility of church membership, but I believe that's exactly what it shows. It's an amazing, it's an amazing uh, sweet, sweet privilege to be called unto salvation and in the Lord's true assembly. I mean, obviously, it's uh, you can see the great anomaly of, of how that how that is. Look in Colossians, a local church, right? Colossians, please, chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 25. And whatsoever ye do, who? Church at Colossae. Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. We're not coming in here. I mean, yes, we care about one another, but we assemble unto the Lord, right? Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. Of who? The Lord. And there is no respect of persons. From who? The Lord. It's a terrible and wonderful, sweet responsibility. Truly doing all things unto the Lord. I believe this, this we, we can see that in church membership, yes, they were giving, but with through dishonesty and through lying. You see here, I, I hope you do. In all things, we're to be to be cheerful in our in our giving, in our in our time, in all that we do, in all in all our time and resources. Second Corinthians chapter nine. Second Corinthians chapter nine and verse seven says, please look, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, it was a heart matter for Ananias and Sapphira. 
every man according as he had as he purposed in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Who did he write that to? The church yeah. in Corinth. Right? He didn't write that and just put it into the Corinthian Gazette. He wrote that to the local assembly. Right? With ties, time, effort, and energy. The children of God, I believe, are wonderfully and carefully blessed of God in trusting him and doing what he says in through the locals' assembly and giving such as we have, just what we read in 2 Corinthians, giving with the heart, with all cheerfulness unto the Lord, our tithe, time, effort, and energy. In the local assembly, it's a great privilege, with responsibility. It really is. With wisdom and understanding, those in the Lord's assembly are to live, live out, to live out what we have learned in the gospel. What do we mean? Loving God and loving our neighbor. These were guilty of holding back and lying about it. Please consider the great and precious responsibility of being a faithful, truthful member of the Lord's assembly. We also see in this passage that the Lord means business. Okay, uh, I, People offer forget, I guess, because there's so much loose living and there's so much sin and just, uh, it just, it just and things are rampant that church members feel like they can do exactly whatever they want. You know what stopped that early in the local assembly? I should say, not what, who? God evidenced himself. That he means business. Okay? You see, Ananias dying in Acts 5 5, his wife Sapphira in 5 10. Read with me a couple places here in the book of James. Read here in the book of James, please. Chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. James chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. You may be healed. So you've got sickness, you've got, you've got disease, you've got trouble. You've got a, 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 a recommendation to call for the, the leaders in the spiritual that one would be spiritually healed unto repentance, that their bodies would be healed as well. Do you think James believed that God meant business about sin and dishonesty in the church? Verse 19, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he was converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. You think James took the Lord seriously? I believe so. First John, we studied this not long ago. First John chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. And if any man shall see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him Lie for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin. And there is a sin not unto death. Do you think John took... James and John walked with the Lord. But they were there in Acts chapter 4 and chapter 5. Do you think they took, do you think they took the Lord seriously? That the Lord means business? Revelation chapter 2. Verse 20. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which called herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Um, that's, she sounds awful, doesn't, he? doesn't she? That adultery. James, in the book of James, he talks about adult, uh, adult, uh, uh, 
adultery as well, calls them fornicators. Um, I believe that's, it could be in a physical way. I believe that he's also speaking spiritually as well. There's a lot of even Sovereign Grace Landmark Missionary Baptists that they'll have a tree in the corner and presents under there and they'll sing their Christmas cantatas and do all kinds of stuff. Guilty of these very things with, with, with no regard at all whatsoever. I gave her space to repent of her fornication and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed. And then that commit adultery with her into the into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts. Do you thank the Lord? I don't know what happened to this woman or her children. Do you think the Lord means business? Our passage today would indicate that the Lord does mean business. There is no reason to believe that the Lord is okay with his people trying, even among the assembly, trying to walk dishonestly before him. I, can you see how the fear fell upon all? I mean, if we start checking our lives and think, oh man, oh, how how have I lived dishonestly? What what have I held back? What have I said that I've committed to, but, but I kept peace for myself? Fear, verse 11. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. What's that mean? There might have been some unsaved people that heard these things too. <laughs> it's what it sounds like. If judgment begins at the house of God, sinners ought to just be terrified. Well, you mean the Lord would strike his children down? There's this idea that, that God Almighty is some buddy-buddy just wringing his hands, wooing sinners unto him. So, oh, I hope they just... Uh, they, I hope they trust me. He's the Almighty. Fear came. Reverence came, and rightfully so. This should and did cause the people of God in the church to examine their hearts before God. Don't be just satisfied with what you give. Examine your heart before God in your giving. Time, resources, energy, whatever. This should and did cause the people of God, and I say in the church, I mean, in, in the assembly, in the church, in the local church through, that, that the Lord had started himself. The world's going to do whatever they want to do. This, this is a church lesson. She calls the people in the church to examine their motives before God. Why are you doing something? Why? Is it for his glory or for yours? Is it for his glory or for mine? This should and did cause the people of God. You can see the heartbreak in Peter. Why would you do this? This should and did cause the people of God and church to examine their efforts before God. And I mean that with resources and everything. What are we holding back? This, this, this passage today should catch our attention today. Today, it should catch our attention. I want you to see a bright spot here. You got Barnabas. And what a bright spot. This is our introduction to him. We've never seen him before uh, as an early church leader. But just a few things about him, and we're going to study more about him in time to come. You see, he truly was a son of consolation. You don't get a nickname for no reason, okay? So for them, for them to call him the son of consolation, we could know that he was he was a man that was known by the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, what he said, what he did, how he lived, the gospel, son of consolation. He also was submitted to authority and church leadership. You would think that somebody had such a name and reputation and a uh, and a nickname, you could say. You might think that he might want to step in there and, and you know put his arm and say, yeah, I'm just like one of those guys and, and try to maneuver his way into leadership. But he didn't. Look at verse 37. Having land, sold it and brought it, the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This man who is chronicled in the word of God as being a true hero of faith submitted to the local church and what they called church polity or church government, you see. Not that these apostles were, were you know, 
a higher form of human, but the Lord did set upon, he did set leadership. This man, he was a true son of consolation. He submitted to church authority. He submitted to church leadership. He also had incredible credibility. What do you mean? Turn pages a couple times over, Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 28. And when Saul was come to, Acts chapter 9, verse 26, and when Paul, and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him. And believe not that he was a disciple. They're afraid of, can you imagine? What if there was somebody on the loose around here that was killing us off one by one? And then that person tried to walk in the back door. What would you do? What would I do? I mean, I'd probably have my hand on my pistol. You know, I mean, I, uh, that, that's where our minds go. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him, and how that he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So, son of comfort, son of consolation, Barnabas, Joseph, says, hey, look, I know you all are terrified. And just a little while ago, a little while ago you'd have been right. But something got hold of him, and that something is God Almighty. Read the next verse. And he was with them. Who? The apostles, the church in Jerusalem. Coming in and going out of Jerusalem. At the, at the credibility of the son of consolation, this man, this church man who submitted to the local church and submitted to local author, the local church authority and the leadership of the local assembly, he had, a, he had such credibility that when he said that, they believed him. That's the complete, complete honest, uh, uh, opposite of being dishonest, isn't it? <laughs> Would you believe, if you knew someone like Ananias, would you believe them? Or if you knew somebody like Barnabas, would you believe him? Who, would you, who are you going to believe? They're both sinners. They both died. Who are you going to believe? They believe Barnabas. So, Okay, children of God, we are to move with all honesty. We, sh- we should take this as, a, as a, a kind warning from the word of God that we're to move with all honesty. We're to know that the Spirit of God, He is God. He knows the hearts. He knows the intent of the heart. The Holy Spirit in every believer, He moves particularly in the Lord's assembly. I've known of people that have, you know, those things that I read in James and in 1 John and even in Revelation. I believe I have known people that have sinned a sin unto death, knowing that they should or should not do something, they did or did not do it anyway. They tried to lie to the Holy Spirit. And I believe it brought death. That's what it appears to be. Does the Lord mean business? You tell me. I'm convinced that he does. I would encourage you to believe the same. May godly fear come upon us, not that we go hide somewhere in a corner, but that we with all honesty and integrity trust the Lord and do what he says. That we would move in and through his assembly, waiting for the coming of the Lord, doing exactly what he told us to do, loving God and loving our neighbor. May we see, rather than seeing ourselves in Ananias and Sapphira, may we see or desire to see just a little bit of ourselves in Barnabas, someone that testifies of the consolation of Jesus Christ, someone that believes that the Lord started his assembly and we submit ourselves. This church doesn't submit to me. I submit to it. I'm, I'm a member of it just as much as anybody, you see. We have our function in it. The Lord has placed those things. The children of God would do well to serve the Lord through his assembly, his way. We should desire to be, we should desire to be, as Barnabas was, people of credibility. If I say something, you should be able to believe it, right? Ananias and Sapphira, they were dishonest. Learn that lesson. May fear come upon us. Sinner, you have sinned against God and 
And, and if, if the Lord will handle his people, I believe, again, the Ananias and Sapphira were saved. If the Lord will handle his people this way, what in the world is he going to do with you? You might try to hide it. They tried to hide it. You might even try to, to hide it, bringing your best efforts into the Lord's house. Some people try to bring their best efforts in religion. You know what you can't hide? You cannot hide your condition before God. You cannot hide your heart condition before God. Can't do it. Will your day, it could be, it could be your day is today. I have no idea. It'll be someday. It'll be someday. My encouragement from, for you would be repent of yourself. No, you cannot hide. You cannot hide from God. You can run. You can try. You can sure try, but you cannot hide from God. Repent of your sin. Don't be dishonest with yourself. Again, dishonesty is a devilish quality. It'll deceive you straight to the gates of judgment. Repent of your sin. Acknowledge your dishonesty and repent of it. Trust completely, wholly, and firmly on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't come to him and have any part for yourself. Just as much as Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted to keep part for themselves. If you're keeping part of your pride for yourself, you will not come to Christ at all. That's why people love works religions, because they get to engage in it. They get to participate in it. No man of their own volition will come to the Lord. No man can come to me except the Father which I sent him me draw him. Amen. Why won't they come? Because they want to keep some back. In all dishonesty, they want something for themselves. They want to keep some back. Before the Lord saved me, why, why wouldn't I come to the Lord? I, I'll just be honest with you. I thought I had something to offer. I, I had something, I thought. A person turning to the Lord will be empty of themselves. They'll have, they'll have nothing to hold on to. Everything will be open. Sinner by the power of God, trust the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.